Hey everybody, it's Robert with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm very happy to have Sean Kitzman on the program. Sean, um, I will introduce you as a mobility coach, uh, massage therapist, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, but you do really, really great work and I'll allow you to speak about what you do, but I just wanted to introduce you and um, tell everybody, I guess, a little bit about how you got started in massage your body work. And then also, if you want to share like your social media links so they can follow sure. you. Yeah. So, um, man, we got to go back in the Wayback Machine, like, <laughs> you know, like way back, man. We got we to gotta get Doc Brown in and like go, jump back to probably the mid 80s. My, I had an uncle um, who since passed, but he's my mom's oldest brother, my uncle Jimmy. He lived in Connecticut. Um, and he was a really eccentric dude. I mean, like super eccentric dude, like doing yoga in the seventies, meditation and like stuff like that. Um, and so uh, Jimmy lived in Michigan uh, until the early eighties. And then he was working for Chrysler. And when Chrysler, you know, when, when the, the government pretty much bailed out Chrysler in the early eighties, um, you know, all of a sudden, all the, a lot of the jobs were gone. He was an engineer. So he took a job with General Dynamics out in Connecticut. Um, and moved his family out there. I have three cousins that are around my age. And so I remember Jimmy coming back home. He would bring his family home uh, for the, over the 4th of July holiday. And my grandparents had a cottage outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan. And they would come back home. And then we would go out to the cottage. And, you know, we'd spend a week out there when they were home. And Jimmy would like, I don't know, like I was around 10 or 11. He started like showing me like Tai Chi and like, acupressure and had me sitting down and doing like you know like do Chinese doing and I'm pounding on my head and I'm like what in the frick are we doing here this guy's a nut job and he was getting rolfed uh, in the 80s as well so my first introduction into the concept of body work came from hearing Jimmy talk about rolfing um, and what it was you know like he he went 10 sessions and then you know because it helped him with mountain biking and handball and all of his hiking stuff and is a very active person. Like, you know, I was kayaking in the mid nineties, you know, like when people didn't have kayaks in Michigan, you know? And so, um, so that was my first introduction. And then I, 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 <laughs> I went all four years of high school, um, was just a shit student. Cause I wasn't, in, <laughs> I wasn't involved at all. You don't know how excited and happy it makes me to find out that you, cause I know you're smart. Like we've yeah, had yeah. conversations and I'm like, also did bad in school. Take note. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was a credit and a half short of, of getting my, you know, high school diploma. And I went all four years. I went every day to school. It's not like I, I was just, I just didn't, it didn't engage me. Yeah. And so I went in um, after I, you know, my class graduated, I wanted to go to community college because um, that was, I thought was going to be the thing for me to do is going to go to community college. And so I went in and um I said to the lady, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to take my, I want to take my GED. And she goes, okay, well there's, there's two days. I'm like, mm, no, I'm going to take it today. She's like, no, you can't do that. I was like, what do you mean? I can't do that. Well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take both of them today. Cause I'm not coming back. And so I took my GED in one day, like I finished both parts before everybody else, you know, like finished one part because I was hell bent that I was going to not have to go back. And so I took my GED and you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. And in the early, so like 92, I started training martial arts. And then the year I graduated from high school, I was, uh, I competitively powerlifted my senior year of high school. And um, I ran into this guy in, in, a, in a powerhouse, in a gym. 
Um, and he was doing martial arts as well. And he told me he was doing Jeet Kune Do for the art that Bruce Lee developed. And I was, I was actually starting to research. I mean, and what everybody has to remember, I'm like, this is 1994. Yeah. Like the internet was going to the bookstore, yep. right? So I was going to the bookstore and also I lived in the middle of nowhere, Michigan. It was, we, we lived 50 miles from Detroit and 40 miles from Lansing. Um, I lived 25 miles from Ann Arbor. Like, and I lived, I lived on a dirt road. The road that I lived on is still dirt today. It will be dirt until the end of time. Um, so, uh, so, you know, he told me he was doing this Jeet Kune Do thing. And I, I was actually looking into books about Jeet Kune Do at, you know, like Barnes and Noble and Borders. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. So I went over to his house and I started training in this guy's garage. Uh, and I trained with him for about two or three years. And then he introduced me to my, my I think like my primary, my, my biggest martial arts influence, uh, a guy by the name of Dave Hatch. He lived in Michigan, Sifu, Sifu Dave. He trains out of his basement to this day, like never has any more than 10 or 11 students because you can't fit many more people in the basement, you know? Um, it, so, uh, and so uh, Sifu Dave was an instructor under Dan and Asano. Dan and Asano was a, a, a student of Bruce Lee's and there was only three people that Bruce Lee had teach while he was alive. Dan and Asano was one of them. And so he was a student of Dan and Asano's and he would bring Dan and Asano in every year. And May of 97, I remember when it was, uh, May of 97, Dan and Asana was talking about body work and he's first generation Filipino American. And he was talking about a lot of the old Filipino grandmasters that he trained with. A lot of those guys did um, what kind of almost like Tui Na, right? <clears throat> and there, there was one guy, uh, uh, he actually was brought in by the American Chiropractic Co Council or college or whatever the hell it is to actually teach bone setting because he, he learned bone setting um, in the Philippines. And it was an art that was passed down from, you know, and so we were sitting there in the seminar and he said, you know, if you guys really want to understand this martial arts thing, you should probably study the healing arts. He said, you know, I'm in my, he's probably in his late fifties, maybe early sixties. I'm in my late fifties, early sixties. And I had a chance to learn this stuff from the guys I trained with and I didn't, and I regret it. And I was already looking in the massage school. Um, but like the schools around me were like the closest one was 45 minutes. And then the school I wound up going to, and there was only two in two like big schools in Michigan. It was Ann Arbor Institute. Ann Arbor Institute just had started up and health enrichment center. Health enrichment center was Sandy Fritz's school. So, um, and, and health enrichment center was an hour and a half away. And for whatever reason, I decided that I was going to go to health enrichment center. Well, I, I looked into health enrichment center. I was working grocery retail at the time. And um, now I'm 97, I'm 21, right? And so, uh, you know, uh, if you, it, it, as people will go, they will see I'm a fairly type A intense personality. <laughs> this, is a, this is a highly refined version of me. 21, I was the fucking Tasmanian devil. Yeah. Right? Like I was just a, a whirlwind of fury, right? <laughs> like, like, you know, so, um, so I thought, man, that's a really, that's a really good idea. If I ever get like crabby doing retail, I, I'll, go, I'm going to go to massage school. So that was May of 97 in September of 97, I was enrolled in school. And so I went to health enrichment center for a year. Um, I was the last thousand hour program, thousand hour hands-on program in the state of Michigan. Um, and so then, but I got out of school and I didn't know what to do because I lived in a small community. Um, nobody was itching to hire a 21 year old guy at that time, you know? And so I mowed lawns for three seasons, August, of, August of, uh, let's see, August of 99. Yeah. Cause it was right before Y2K August of 99. I was like, I am not mowing another lawn. I am not <laughs> digging another hole. Cause the guy I worked with did landscaping. 
Um, I am not doing any of those things anymore again. And so I looked at, I found an ad for a chiropractor in the local paper, right? Cause that's how we used to do things. Right. And so um, I went and hi- he hired me on the spot. I worked for him for about nine months. And then at, along that time, and I was working like 36 hours a week, like three, 12 hours a day in this guy's practice. And this dude was just making bank off of us. Like he was, he was billing. I, I'm sure that there was so much shady billing practices. <laughs> that dude was raking in cash. And so, cause he wanted to see 90 to hundred patients a day, just him. Right. So he was billing 90 to hundred procedures a day. He was having us do ultrasound and stim like shit we shouldn't be doing. And so, um, attraction, he had this do traction, like on the old, like manual pump shit, you know, like so shady. The good old days. The good old days. Yeah. Yeah. People talk about scope of practice. I know what violating scope of practice is. I was violating scope of practice then. And the only way that we could get away with it, cause he had a license, you know, he, he, he was a, he was a, you know, licensed healthcare uh, practitioner. Anyways. So um, I started I, along that time, I, I uh, started working at a private practice inside a racket club or a tennis club. And that's kind of when I got my first glimpse into like working with athletes and going like, Ooh, I kind of like this. And they kind of like me too. And so, um, but it took me legit a good eight years to figure out like that, that was my, that was the, the type of clientele that I really worked well with. Cause uh, I worked with a girl. Uh, she was probably 16 years old. She traveled with a, she was a nationally, com- she traveled with a, either a regionally competitive team or a nationally competitive team. I worked with her twice and her mom wanted her to see me a bunch. And I didn't want to see her cause I was afraid that, you know, like, I don't know, something would happen and I would get sued. All the stuff that people still talk about today that doesn't really happen. Right. And so, um, and then I had my, so I worked for Carol, the lady I apprenticed with for three years. Uh, I worked at a holistic wellness center. We all did all kinds of wacky shit with supplementation and energy work and all that weird shit. Right. And so, um, my ex-wife and ex-business partner and I opened up our own practice in 2003, um, right at the beginning of the downturn of the economy in Michigan, uh, the town that I lived in Brighton, Michigan in the practice that our practices and we b- opened up a practice downtown and like, I'm talking like seven to 10,000 people. You could literally bowl downtown at three o'clock on a Tuesday in the winter. Like we could have had, we could have had like outdoor lawn bowling in, in on main street, you know, like downtown. And so, uh, oh my God, it was craziness. And so, um, my ex-wife and I separated and got divorced uh, we separated in 2007. We split our business in 2008. Um, and then I opened up my own practice. And in 2000, from 2008 to 2010, I traveled with a nationally competitive boys soccer team. Um, I was parent paid. I wasn't club paid. So that means that every time I went and traveled with the boys, it was an audition because they would have fired me if I didn't provide it, a good outcomes. Um, and then um, in 2012, I, took, I, I hosted David Weinstock for neurokinetic therapy. I was the first person in the Midwest to host him. Uh, that was kind of a really, that was like a turning point in my career because I was already working with a bunch of athletes and that allowed me to not put people underneath sheets anymore. Yeah. And so, um, cause with the kids that I was working with, I mean the, 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 in the town that I lived in, in Brighton, Michigan in 2010, one day on a Wednesday, I had 10 of the 11 starting soccer players on my table before, uh, a, you know, a, a district championship came. So I was working with a bunch of kids already. And that also, like during that time, I figured out that I really love to work with kids as well because I really like their energy. Um, I like to help them under, like figure out about their bodies and how to advocate for themselves and all the rest of those things. And um, 
And then I took NKT and that really allowed me to do that. I mean, like, that's all I did. I mean, I, in a year and a half, I had rebooted my practice and all I did was NKT. Um, I didn't do anything else. And I didn't do anything else from like 2012 to like 2016. And then in 2000, 2017, I'm sorry. Um, but in 2016, my wife's son and I, my wife is a nurse practitioner, nurse, nurse midwife. Um, she got an offer we couldn't refuse. So 16 years in practice in Michigan, I closed down my practice up and moved to Minnesota. And that's when I think you and I first started kind of bumping into each other because I was doing a lot of business. Instagram. Time. Instagram yep. I'm almost positive. I just, I don't know how it went through my feed or how yep. they sorted that data, but I saw an Instagram video from you and I was like, this guy, yeah, this guy's going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. This was like, here's the whole realm of massage therapy and here's Sean over in a corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was doing some business, co business coaching with that because when I moved, I'd wanted to, I knew that I wanted to um, figure out how to take my practice in a different direction because um, quite honestly, my wife is kind of a rock star in the midwife community. Like, I mean, like she's, she, when they close the book, you know, when it's all said and done, they'll, there's, they're going to point and they're going to go, Melissa Kitzman, that her, you know? Um, so I knew that there was a chance that, um, we weren't going to stay in like, we'll be in Minnesota until our son graduates from high school. Um, but we eventually want to move back to Michigan because I just, we just love Michigan. Um, but I knew that I didn't want to have to restart my practice up all over again, doing that again. Right. And we're not even going to move back to the town that we lived in. We want to move up to like up here, up on the, up in the kind of Northeast, Northwestern part of Michigan because it's gorgeous up there. And so, um, so I started looking at some business coaching and, and I, I, I had a, a coaching platform for a little while. And uh, then I took anatomy in motion um, and anatomy in motion is as much of it as NKT kind of broke my game, like, like really exposed things for me that I was like, holy shit, this is possible. Anatomy in motion was that next thing. Um, yeah. I really like Gary Ward a lot. Uh, so anatomy in motion breaks down uh, human motion via the gate in seven, seven phases and three planes of motion. And then in 2000, so I was here, I took that in 17. I was working with a bunch of triathletes. And then in 2018, so the next, the next summer, um, I had my first pitching client. And then um, I started to apply the anatomy and motion model to pitching and kind of make it specific for pitching. Yeah. And then last year I went down to Louisiana. I went down to Covington. Um, there's a really, really, really good pitching guy down there uh, Brent Porcy, uh, on a top velocity. Um, and I went down there and I was at the facility for three days with my client. And, um, I got to look inside Brent's model a little bit and Brent has five phases of pitching, um, which kind of mirror a little bit of anatomy and motion model. So I was able to look at it right away. I was like, Oh, that's the missing piece that I don't have. Yeah. And I put a sixth phase in front of it, um, to preload. And, um, now, uh, if anybody's interested in baseball or isn't interested in baseball and has insomnia and wants to fall asleep at night, um, they can watch my stuff called the pitching nerd, um, on Instagram. <laughs> I'm glad uh, you're promoted for the people with insomnia. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like if you, if you, uh, you know, if, if you want to get bored to death, I'm going to break down pitching mechanics from the foot all the way up to the, up, up till until the time that they release. So, um, and if you're not interested in baseball, then it won't be very interesting to anybody. Well, you know, it's interesting to me, I think, um, and maybe, one of, maybe that's one of the reasons I resonate with you. You're very cerebral. Um, like, you know, we started the podcast and you just like torn through this history going through and I'm like, 
I kind of know a little bit, kind of want to learn more, kind of interesting, because you're always on this different track than me, but I've always respected your work and your hustle. Thank you. Yeah. And then when you get to something like a YouTube channel where you're saying, hey, you can watch it and get bored and fall asleep, what I find interesting is other educators have kind of freaked out about my subscription service because they're like, you don't, you don't like give them everything, do you? And I'm like, yeah, I just yeah. record my classes and just upload it. And they're like, oh my God, but people will come to your classes. And I'm like, nobody's going to sit and watch all of this. Right. <laughs> like, and if they did, more power to them. You know, it's right. like if you put it out on YouTube, you get to find, you know, because you're hitting this mass market. Well, who are the people that go into right. the funnel? and go, man, this 5% or whatever, they're just rapid. Yeah. That's what it builds. Yeah. It would, it would be like if Bruce Lee had YouTube. For oh, sure. Guys. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, and before this whole COVID thing hit, um, I had hired two therapists because I'm going to open, eventually, eventually, whenever we can do this, I'm going to open up a pitching and hitting facility here in the Twin Cities that's, uh, that's both rehab and performance-based, and it's, it has a biomechanical model. So a lot of what the baseball community talks about is they hate me for this already. I've already made enemies. Um, so, and I'm okay with you're it. You're on the right track. Keep going. Yep, 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 yep. yep. <laughs> my glasses... My, my, you've seen my pitching their glasses, but they're not here right now. So like, for those of you who don't know, just think of like Charlie Sheen in major league, uh, <laughs> but like with a, like, like with a lab coat on yeah. my, my goal is to be able to go in an MLB game within a year and have someone know who I am yeah. and it's going to happen. Um, Cause I'm, I'm branding, I'm branding a thing, right? I'm branding something that's instantly recognizable. And also I talk about stuff that none of them talk about. <clears throat> so, um, and, and to be fair, I mean, like when I talk about that, um, but to be fair, I think the reason that they don't talk about it is because performance coaches don't have, I mean, you have this really interesting thing because the MLB pushes all of this, this kind of evolution, right? So um, what do you get at the top level in the MLB? You get guys that, um, that fall into the, to the healthcare community model, which is at best not cutting edge. Um, and then, you know, those jobs are coveted and there's people that are vying for that job every second of the day. And so they get themselves into where inside of any large, large organization. And, you know, when I say this, I'm not trying to be condescending or disrespectful. I'm just kind of like saying, this is the landscape of the industry. This is just what it is. Just like when you say, you know, the landscape of the massage industry is this, a lot of people get pissed off about it, but here's the thing that's, this is just the landscape. I'm just creating a general stereotype. And if people, you know, if they want to get offended by it, they can. Um, but so, so what happens is that you get, you, people get into safe positions, right? And so they want to, they want to hold those safe positions. And so you don't get a lot of cutting edge stuff, you know? And then, so, the, and there's a ton of bureaucracy in that. And so, um, and then the last thing, that the reason why, well, there's two things. There's only like, there's less than a thousand people in the world that's taken anatomy in motion. And again, um, in that less than a thousand people, there's also, you know, like any CEU, there's 10 to 15% that actually put it into play. I just happen to be one of those 10 to 15% that put it into play. Um, and so I know who has taken anatomy in motion. Nobody from the baseball industry. If, I, if there was, I would have met them already. I would know them. Um, and so, you know, the thing that they don't understand is they don't understand the foot. And I, and I think the reason that they don't understand the foot is because they can't see it in the cleat. Yeah. If they actually were able to see the foot, they would pay more attention to it, but they don't see it. And so they just see the knee and the hip and the, and everything else. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the Reader's Digest condensed version of me. Oh, we need, we need many, many more hours, but <laughs> can you tell people where they can follow you on social media? Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so, you know, you can follow me on Facebook um, at Sean Kitzman. Uh, you can go on either my practice page, which is uh, 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 Synergy Movement Therapy Case Studies or Sustainable Coaching Practices, kind of my coaching platform. And then if you go on Instagram or Facebook, you can find me at The Pitching Nerd. Um, I use Instagram as my primary platform right now um, for that. I just started that page, by the way. I just started the brand, actually, when this whole COVID thing hit, yeah. you know, because I'm a psycho. I'm, I'm actually doing two businesses right now at one time. Yeah. So. Yeah, I admire the, the tenacity, the the constant development. Um, and massage entrepreneurs, when the bomb dropped because of COVID, it was like you jumped on, you know, teaching them online. And yeah, it's funny because I get questions from students, and what I've noticed with subscribers is, I did an, a two-hour consult last night with Misty Canella, uh -huh. and she talked about um, self-care stuff. And I don't want to use the name because she might. I have a suspicion she's going to form a trademark around some name sure. yeah, yeah. brand she wants to build. And it kind of got into similar things like teaching people online. It was sort uh -huh. of like not only do they want to do different body work, but they want to kind of build an online following and have mm -hmm. an online, I don't know, classes or something kind of like what I've done. Sure. It's like, well, how does teachable work? And I'm like, it's software. <laughs> it's like, it might as well be Facebook with a paywall. Like you just right. pay money and you get access and you upload stuff, move files around. So they're asking all these questions and I try to just uh, coach them as I can, because I think it's interesting as an educator where things have developed, where I try to express to all the students, I'm like, listen, you don't have to be a mini. -me. Right. I'm not the height of the massage industry. Like right. yeah, I think my stuff is nice. But like, I would very easily have like debates with you or uh, uh, Scott Lindquist or, uh -huh. you know, about practice stuff or, you know, the best body work or uh -huh. treatment assessments. And I understand where my limitations are. I'm always interacting with the students and like going, what do you want to do? Right. Go do that. Right. Like right. You, you can use some of my tools. That's great. If I show you some new tools, great. In improvise and use them in a different way. Like I don't really teach. Um, insurance billing and the right. one thing like I posted in the group and somebody was like oh he does everything like do you teach insurance billing and I'm like nope. no <laughs> like, yeah. I, I run <laughs> like like that's like the walking dead I'm like right. oh, no 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 <laughs> right yeah no I, <laughs> like, I agree with that 100%. Avoid, avoid insurance go cash yeah. but yeah to try to work in the industry deal with massage entrepreneurs deal um, with this nuanced, niched down audience of therapists who want to build, who want to grow, who want to develop, want to alter the landscape. Like, I really see your practice as one of those practices where in the next 10 to 20 years, what you and I have been doing will be a little more commonplace. For sure. But yeah. Right now, it's like you can, you know, comb the desert of space balls comes to mind <laughs> yeah well combing, combing the desert looking for people like us with these weird nuanced practices for me i still freak out sean because the students in the mass massage community i, I still work on this because they're like what you do isn't massage and that is the craziest thing to me sure. even 18 years in as a therapist to realize how is it that if I was a mechanic, how would I repair a car so innovatively that right. mechanics would say that's not being a mechanic? 
Right, sure. That's yeah. the weirdest thing to me because I'm like, okay, guys, listen, if it's not massage, I'm going to go teach the yoga community globally. Right. If it's not massage, don't need a license. And they're like, right. oh, no. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's true. I mean, I have to field some of these questions right now with scope of practice, you know, and yeah. it's, it's like, it's mind blowing to me. And <laughs> like, I don't even understand it. Like, well, because here's the deal. Again, I sleep next to somebody in the healthcare community every night. And the healthcare community thinks we're adorable, by the way. <laughs> like, like, like I talked to my wife about scope of practice and HIPAA, like, and she laughs. She's like, what in the flying fuck are they talking about? Yeah. You know, like scope of practice. It's like, okay. And, and this is kind of the stance I've come to, like in my presentation of my, of my, you know, kind of transition to how to teach people to go online. Here's, here's the thing, right? I, it's my second thing that I talk about. Because I've, I've had to feel it so many times and I try to be really nice about it. Cause I don't want to like, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm not trying to be demeaning. I'm, 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 but like right now at, at the height of this thing, when nobody's making money, you think that your state, the local federal and state government gives a shit whether or not you tell someone to put a, a lacrosse ball or a tennis ball into someone's <laughs> armpits, like they don't have better things to do. And do you think they have drones flying into your house? Right. I mean, like, are you, and I, and I ask, I'm like, look, I've been in practice for 20 years. I am far more, I have far less risk tolerance than, or, you know, I'm, I'm far, I'm far less allergic to risk than the average massage therapist. How do I know? Cause uh, look at what I just told you, right? Like I've done shit. When I traveled with the boys, there wasn't an athletic trainer that traveled with most teams. I was a massage therapist. Oh, and you know what? When I went to Texas, when I went to Illinois, when I went to Boston, when I went to North Carolina, when I went to uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, no, I didn't check to see if my license was okay there because I didn't give a shit. <laughs> you know why? Because yeah. nobody in the United there. Yeah. The massage police, the massage SWAT, you know, they, they didn't, <laughs> I wasn't on the radar yet. Yeah. And so, you know, like I feel these scope of practice questions and I'm like, you're seriously going to let yourself close because you can't fucking figure this out. Like, uh, honest to God, like I, I, I don't understand it. And by the way, like, I, and I, I asked him, I was like, so I've been in practice for 20 years. I in, in 20 years, I've never known anybody to get busted. To, that, I mean, like it's, it's, it's like, it's like Bigfoot, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like alien, you know, like abduction. Well, cutting my teeth in the Thai massage community and it's like, I could tell my own story of all of For that. sure. Like yeah. I, uh, a teacher came in from out of town, came in Texas. Uh, he had originally been, I think, in North Carolina. And North Carolina has, of course, different laws than Texas. Right. He got a lawyer and said, no, I do time <laughs> body work. It's based on energy, which is send lines. It got a lawyer and went before the state board and said, you know, I don't need a massage license. And they kind of didn't know what to do with him. Okay, he's doing energy work, leave yeah. him alone. And then he travels like around the country and teaches classes. And in his class, he's just like, I will never get a massage license and I will never allow a state to force me to get a massage license. For sure. And then they're like yoga teachers in class in Texas this is in my state who are like basically giving me the finger going, I will never get a massage license ever. And I will never allow. And I'm like, I mean, it does no sweat to me. Right. The thing is the mainline massage community acts like I'm supposed to police. And I'm like, yo, 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 <laughs> I'm, busy, bro. I'm not the massage police. Like yeah. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> no. And I've got better things to do. 
Yeah. You know, so, and some, it was funny because somebody was talking to me the other day about like, well, you know, maybe hopefully we can all like get together as a community. I'm like, you have a better chance of hurting cats <laughs> into a river than this. Yeah. Right. And, when, and I think and we've talked about this before, <laughs> right? I think the reason why though, is because there's just so many different avenues that you can go as a massage therapist, you know, like someone takes my course, you know, um, one of the other things that I tell them right off the bat is like, look, if you're a relaxation massage therapist, I am not the guy for you mm -hmm. because you will find out if you haven't figured out in the five minutes that you have talked to me, there's nothing relaxing about me. So, you know, I lied to myself for the first three years I was in practice and said that I, you know, if I get enough reps in, I'll be good at doing relaxation massage. And what I come to figure out is the only way I can put someone to sleep is if I hit them in the head with a two by four, right? Like there's no, I don't, I, I just don't possess it, you know? But even when I was in school, they were like, oh, somebody has an injury, send them to Sean, you know, because for whatever reason, like, like that was my, that was my interest. That was my, you know, that's what I really thought was fun. Yeah. So, you know, like people just need to recognize that like, and who reports, who reports the guy that says, do the doorway stretch and you help my shoulder out? Oh yeah. No, I mean, I've seen, as yeah. soon as COVID hit, people are like, that's not within scope of practice to, to, to with online. I'm like, listen, yeah. you're not giving a fucking massage online. You're not doing soft tissue work. And, you're teaching them to do soft tissue work on themselves, which is being a coach. Merry Christmas. You've got to go global. Right. This is not the same thing, and it doesn't jeopardize your license. I don't understand how that works at all. And then they're like, does your insurance cover it? And I'm like, that's like, that's like getting sued because you put up a YouTube video. Right. That's yeah. not, no, that's not the yeah. same thing. You're, even though you have a massage license, it's like, Dr. Oz is a cardiologist. Right. Is he acting as a cardiologist when he tells people information about COVID? No. Right. Like, right. that's not, that's being a celebrity in a sense. Well, and, and it's really funny about, you know, like how people want to grab onto like their, their, their license and their insurance and, and, and how great the AMTA and the ABMT oh. are. And you know what? How great. Let me run away from the camera. <laughs> yeah, right? How, they, dude, they can throw darts at me all they want, right? Like, I'm good, you know? <laughs> but like, but like how regressive of a policy is it that they come out and say that you can't do online sessions, but Colorado, I, I know this cause I was in, I, I, I joined the massage, the, the, the Colorado massage group, right. Just recently, Colorado has said that like, you know, they the massage therapists can do it if they stay within this purview. Well then like all of AMTA and AMBPs, like all of their policy just went out the window. You yes. can't make a, you can't make a, a, a blanket thing when you have, state when you have a state by state thing like it's just not possible minnesota you know? no license <clears throat> yes. vermont no license yeah uh colorado you can do type body work without right. license right um it just goes on and on and yeah. like that's the thing when students they come because they I, I do online ce's and yeah. then students you know are asking me questions and they're always confused and i'm like guys in the united states there's 50 sets of laws I don't know the law in your state. I'm providing the information. Just follow the law and rules in your state. Like, you know, I had someone, and I tell this story because somebody contacted me from Mauritius online. Uh, they wanted to be on my subscription service, and I'm like, where the fuck is Mauritius? Like, I had to go to Google Maps, and it's like a small island off the coast of Madagascar. When you hit that point, you're like, massage law? It's like, you might as well be in international waters in space. <laughs> like, there is no, you know, it's like, who owns the moon? It's that sort of right. thing. Like, you know, nobody's, no country has laid claim to it yet, to my knowledge. Sure. So, 
I am a fan of information um, and education. And one of the things about the internet and access to the internet and what it did to me, I first got on the internet in 1995. Sure. Um, I saw no commercial application because I had no idea why anyone would put a credit card through a, I mean, that's a recipe for being stolen, right? Right. So for me, I had to develop it with technology in a very different way than like millennials for instance uh-huh, uh-huh. but increasingly what i find is I'm, I'm sort of fighting an old guard of regulators professional organizations abmp ANTA, um, educator school owners and then these millennial students who are all with me on tiktok and i'm kind of in between trying to translate to these kids like these guys worked on the goddamn yellow pages Right. The the game is different now. We have access to information. You can just write Sean a message and he'll answer you. Right. Write me a question and I'll answer you. Like trying to get people to write me or or video message me on Snapchat or you know Instagram. The technology and what it's allowed, I really think in the next 10 to 20 years, what I've always said is there's a mass industry of massage envy. And I use massage envy not because I'm anti-massage envy, it's just They've created the hamburger fry and a drink in a form that's sustainable, that people think of it consistently. They're used to the product. And now there's room in the marketplace for sure. What a burger, In and Out, Sonic, Freddy's Frozen Custard, the artisanal sort of experiences, your practice, my practice, a lot of other educators' practices, where I keep trying to get the students to push beyond core curriculum. Mm-hmm. Understand the scope of practice. I've read the law in Texas, and every time I read the law in Texas, I'm like, God damn it, I should have been a lawyer. Right. Like, that's how they get away with that shit. They have themselves written into law. Yep, 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 <laughs> There's yep. the loophole. Oh, that's how you steward it in your favor. Yep. And the thing is, without breaking scope of practice, it's like me having a podcast isn't a violation of like giving information away. Right. It isn't encouraging people to break state laws. It's just making right. people more aware of the parameters. So for instance, when we get into like those regulatory conversations, when I have conversations with a uh, Chad Bolding, he's a practitioner who's involved in martial arts in Arkansas. Uh-huh. He's like, yo man, when I was a kid, like I got like punched in the head and like, <laughs> like basically knocked out, you know, sure. and it's like, there was no license, the martial arts instructor and there's no, like these people are like choking each other out. You know? <laughs> it's like, that's what it gets to. Like he's encouraged me to go to the Brazilian jiu-jitsu community locally and start training and sure. start push what I'm doing towards them. Yeah. And I think that would be a good way to go, but I'm, I'm much like you where there's this just complete robust amount of information available. And then it's like, what do I spend my time focusing on? Sure. Increasingly, it's been less and less the massage community, unless I'm like, you know, acting as an educator. Right. I'm not really going to other massage therapists trying to learn business or marketing because it's sure. like, oh, no, 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 you got to learn that somewhere else. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. with body work, it's almost like when I dig on the fringes of like the yoga therapy community or the pain science community or, you know, maybe even in martial arts is where the, the light starts to get in. Mm-hmm. there's such an amount of information like for me it was interesting there was a, a massage therapy group it's um, massage education network something so it's a lot of educators school owners uh-huh. and just because COVID hit everybody's stuck at home right I go online in the group and I go hey guys listen um, I teach online 
um, I've got this subscription service. If you'd like me to live stream into your students in some form, like I'll do it absolutely free. Just let me know. Crickets. And that's the whole thing. It's like I was doing this before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to reach out to as many people as possible and much like you, making everybody pissed off in the meantime. <laughs> but my practice grew, my teaching practice grew, we developed retail, we were teaching online, we continue to put out a, a slew of, you know, social media content to be able to network with people. <clears throat> Massage entrepreneurs was a manifestation of trying to democratize information For sure. within the community, knowing that the cream will rise. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, well, what if they study with other educators? And I'm like, then my shit isn't any good. It needs to die. <laughs> and, and also, like, why would they not study with other, other educators? You know, like, I mean, my, so like in jujitsu, right? So um, my instructor here um, is, uh, as far as like the, the Western part of the Midwest, um, kind of like uh, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, uh, North and South Dakota. Um, my my instructor here in Michigan, Greg Nelson, is kind of like the OG. He was the first black belt in Minnesota. Um, he's got three or four affiliated schools in in Minnesota, within like 15 miles of each other, by the way. Um, and but I mean, I buy instructionals from a guy that's in New York that's not even in the same organization. Greg doesn't go. Well, Sean, you can't train with me now. You know, you're, I, I see you talking on him. Yeah. Yeah. I see you talking about that John Donaher stuff. Sean. You know, you can't train with me because Greg did the same damn thing. Like anybody that's a motivated student. And by the way, I have immense amount of respect for Greg, immense amount of respect. One of the reasons that I was happy that we were moving to Minnesota was that I was going to get to train with him. I have been a fanboy of Greg Nelson for the better part of gosh, uh, 15 years. I have bought, I've spent hundreds of dollars on his instructionals. When they asked me to teach at the academy, like I absolutely couldn't believe that I was going to be able to teach at Greg Nelson's school. Like it was such a, like a, a mind blowing experience for me. But I mean, anybody that's a good student is going to take, cause it's, you know, it's, it's what, it's the Bruce Lee thing. Absorb what is useful, reject what is your own and add as, or, uh, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless and add specifically what is your own. That's what every good student does. Yep. I take stuff from Greg, you know, and I apply it. I take stuff from John and I apply it. My friend, Emily Kwok, who is part of Groundswell Grappling Concepts. I've taken stuff from Emily. Emily doesn't go, Sean, I saw you're training with that Greg Nelson guy. We can't be friends anymore. You know, like, I mean, like, what in the fuck? You know, like, how is this? But what happens is people get really insecure. They think, you know, they think that they're going to lose their students. And Dan and Asano, I'll go back to him because he's, he's probably like, if I look at like, as a student, Dan and Asano is who I'd want to be when I grow up. And I don't know that I'll ever get to be him because he had the ability. So, you know, he was Bruce Lee's guy. And then when Bruce Lee died, all the students kind of rallied around Dan and they were like, well, you had the most time, like, like, like you had the most time training with him. And, and he, he kind of put you forward as one of the guys. Right. And also he was young. And so um, all of a sudden all the students kind of like rallied around and he opened up a school. And then along the way, because he's so curious and he became a magnet in the eighties of like Martin, like Jeet Kune Do, if you said Jeet Kune Do in the eighties, Dan and Asana would be the guy. And so, you know, he had people like, so Pavel, when Pavel Satsulan came from Russia, 
uh, with the kettlebell. So Pavel kind of like pioneered, re-pioneered the kettlebell here in the States in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. Pavel was at your dance school, like, like early on. So, so many trends have come out, but I was in, so, you know, this guy has more instructor certificates and black belts and, and, and grand poobah stuff than most people that walk the face of the planet will ever, ever even understand. And I was at the Academy at an instructor conference and we're sitting there and Jean Jock Machado, who was cousins of the Gracie's was teaching this, this technique. And Guru Dan is like sitting on the mat with me. He's like three students from me. And Jean Jock shows this amazing thing. And Guru Dan looks over at me and he goes, geez, can you imagine that? How did he even think of that? That's amazing. Now, this is a legend in the martial arts. Like he's, he's created whole industries. So everybody knows the movie John Wick. John Wick was shot by 8711. 8711 is owned by uh, Damon Caro, Chad Stahalski, and uh, 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 David Leach. Right? These three guys, they're kind of pinnacle. Damon and Chad and uh, David all have trained at the Inasano Academy. David Leach was actually from Minnesota and trained with my instructor here. They were training partners. So like 8711, that one company responsible. Uh, in the late, eight, late 90s and early 2000s, Jeff Amata was a stunt guy in the, in the, in the industry. He did the Born series. So if you buy the Born identity and you, you watch the extras, Matt Damon talks about training with, uh, uh, with uh, Jeff Amata and Dan Inasano. When you go into the Academy, it's all of these freaking movie icons, Denzel and Matt Damon. Like you see all these pictures. That's just one industry that he's influenced. The Cowboys and the 49ers hired them in the late 70s and early 80s to come in and actually start to teach offense and defensive linemen how to get more proficient on the line and shedding blocks and things like that. There's a whole other end, the law enforcement end. Like, so this guy's a, like, he's a legend. He's created more jobs for martial artists across the world than anybody can even imagine. And this guy is sitting there going like, geez, did you see that? That what, you know, I mean that, so that's kind of how I think about being a student and that's what Dan Asano does. He learns from everybody and, and he's not, he'll send you to everybody, you know? So yeah, I, well, I'm in the midst of rebranding because our reboot trademark set up for three years and it got sure. declined and people sure. are immediately, they had like this weird emotional attachment to it. And I'm like, yeah. no, bro, it's just a name. Like, right. well, underbottom right. basket weaving, we'll file it later. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> it's like, that's the least of my worries. But when the traditional Thai massage community started coming out, you know, talking shit, he doesn't know Thai massage and he this and he that. And I'm like, in my head, the, the the most beautiful thing I could ever do was completely destroy Thai massage. Sure. Was sure. to completely break the practice down into its fundamental components, uh, according to that Bruce Lee thing yeah. you said. Yeah. And then I quoted Bruce Lee in my phase one workbook because I started to, I had some students who were like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or martial arts practitioners. Mm-hmm. They're looking at what I was doing and they're like, bro, you're doing like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like a therapeutic form of it. Sure, like, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. But it started to click, and then when I would read about Bruce, I was like, oh, he's dealing with some of those same things. Oh, my God, talk the about com- like- The combination between the East and the West, cultural issues, like teaching the round eye. You know, yep. for me, it was like, listen, if I can destroy what you're saying is thousands-year-old tradition from my garage in Texas, then it just needs to be destroyed. 
Like, right, right, right. You know, I love the practice. I have a yeah. great deal of respect for it, but it's like, I don't want to be limited. Like I'm, you know, like people would talk about tradition and I'm like, eh, antibiotics weren't traditional to the Buddha. Right. <laughs> like right. things right. change, you know, like I think antibiotics are good. So, yeah. Well, and if you look at like, you know, when they, they talk about, you'll hear conversations in the, in the martial arts community about Bruce Lee and, and what he would be like today, you know, or like, could he have competed in the UFC? And it's like, well, I mean, that's a really hard question to ask. First, well, as an athlete, he could have. Like, athletically, he was that athletically gifted. Um, and, you, and the way that you know that is, is you have enough people that were high-level fighters at the time that he trained that were just like, that dude was lightning fast. Like, like he was, he could, and he had a really long wingspan. What you see with athletes that are like, that were wingspan, where, where reach is an issue, so like in basketball and boxing, in mixed martial arts, um, fencing, things like that, where, where, where reach becomes like a deciding factor. Like Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, the Greek freak that plays for the Bucks. Like that guy's, that guy's like, a, he's like a 4,000 foot wingspan. And he's also like 7'2", right? Like, so now you take your 7-1 or whatever the hell he is. There's no reason, by the way, that a human on the face of the planet should move like that at that height either. (laughs) But he has like this ridiculously long wingspan, right? Um, And so, you know, Bruce Lee had a, he was what, like five, five or something like that. But he had the wingspan of a guy that was six foot. So he had, and then like, if you look at Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor is the same way. And all those guys, Khabib, uh, Nugan, uh, Khabib, I'll just call him Khabib because I can't pronounce his last name right now. But Khabib has a short, a little bit of a shorter wingspan, but like he's also, Khabib's also decided, well, I'm just going to grab a hold of you and Khabib you. Like you won't be able to get away from me. So, but like, yeah, I mean, you know, th- there's this conventional thing that a lot of people, they like to hold on to. And even, even in the, in the Jeet Kune Do community, right? There's like factions of people that like are ardently holding on to this traditional thing that Bruce Lee did before he died and like Bruce Lee would have trained Brazilian jiu-jitsu like he would have done it I I can tell you he would have done it because he was interested in things that worked and at the end of the day you know I remember I was sitting in a seminar oh my god this had to be like I was upstairs at Chris's so it had to be like 2000 and 2007 or 2008 and Dan Asano said Bruce Lee wasn't in, he wasn't interested in the technique. He was interested in the training methodology. And I had heard that a million times, by the way, like a million times, but for whatever reason, the two dust bunnies in my head collided and it was like, Oh shit. Did, did, did you guys all hear that? You know, like, and so, you know, um, so yeah, I mean like the, the thing that people just have to wrap their brains around is that evolution happens when you start to combine multiple things. Yep. You know, I mean, like that's how evolution happens. And the yep. and the longer you hold on to dogmatic principles, the harder and harder it is to evolve. The dogmatic principle, and this is the thing, I, I'll always say this. If the the traditional time massage community continues to be angry, I've always said this. They're gonna have to figure out why they're frustrated that I'm trying to relieve suffering. For sure. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Why is that a problem? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I teach sequences workbooks, DVDs, like, man, I took the core of what I understood biomechanically as time massage, intro yep. table, phase one, phase two, it was 700 pages of sequence manuals and nine DVDs of core content. And I was like, 
shit, it's not enough. <laughs> so you give them a sequence, but what happens in classes, and I'll see it occasionally, is a student will take, they start to get it. I don't know how, it's like what it is about their neural pathways or maybe prior training or whatever. They'll kind of take what I did, but they'll do it from a different angle. Mm -hmm. Or they'll, you know, because the thing is, I always teach, I'm not a martial artist, but I always teach from my body experience. For sure. And then I have to take someone who's 5'5", five, five, I'm 5'10". Five, and then sure. they, they're like, I can see him working in class and it doesn't quite work. And I come and say, hey, listen, let's try this version. Uh -huh. And they're like, whoa, there's more than one way to do it. And I'm like, oh, I can't really teach you my way. Right. My, my ways based on my own limitations and my body size. Yeah. If I'm working, I'm almost 200 pounds, 180, probably 180, yeah. 190. Um, if I work with women who are 100 pounds, I'm like, ladies, pointy, right. pointy, pointy. Right. You're still stressing out your shoulder and your rotator cuff. Let's right. use a knee. You know, that can be very transformative, but getting the students to break what I'm teaching. Oh, here we go. It's starting to break down on you. Is where it gets good. Did we unfreeze? Can you hear me there, Sean? 